It's David James with Dave Hampton, and welcome to Bit About Crypto. I'm the job whisperer, and I'm the BTC recruiter. So if you're looking for a job in crypto or blockchain or NFTs, or those are things that excite you and you want to actually reparent your skills, you should call me. You should call us because uh, there's a future for you in the blockchain space. And if you have a project and you're looking for people, we aggregate them. We have all this. So I want to welcome now the Robo Recruiter. Thank you. Dave Hampton. How are you, man? I'm doing very well. Now, what have you been doing last week? Uh, let's see here. Just got back from vacation. Uh -huh. Where'd so, you go? Charleston, South Carolina. All right. Did you yeah. take the family? We did. Yeah. All right. We did. It, they didn't want to leave. It's a, yeah. it's a very charming town, South Carolina. It's, a lot of kids in the summer don't want to leave vacation. It, well, they, I mean, Charleston's very charming. They really, mm -hmm. they really enjoy themselves there. <clears throat> and, you know, us living in San Diego and you, of course, we, we both had our stints in New York. Isn't it amazing how polite people in the South are? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they were. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I wasn't surprised by it. I'm from the South, so. Texas is not part of the South. Oh, it's part of the South. It's part of the Midwest. It's not part of the Midwest. I'll show you where it is on the map. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Now, if you fought, if you fought for the, uh, the secession, I guess it's the South. Yeah, right? yeah, clearly, clearly. So, um, yeah, that's uh, good. So, welcome everybody to Bit About Crypto. And you know, the emphasis of this show is for the folks who actually, really, if you don't know much about crypto and you want to learn more, we actually have a. Uh, a platform where we bring on a new guest uh, who talks about their experience. And I just want to say thank you for all the comments and all the compliments in the uh, comment section. Uh, if anybody is sending you something on Telegram saying, hey, it's David James or it's Dave Hampton, call my Telegram channel. We, we're not asking for any money. Okay, we're not going to call you and ask you to send us any of your crypto or any of your Bitcoin. That's not what we do. It's, it's, the, the purpose of this is for evangelism on blockchain and all the wonderful things that are actually happening in the world, how the world is just changing around us. So, David, <clears throat> so for those of you who don't know, is, uh, <clears throat> I actually had a job in 2013 for a large recruiting firm in San Diego, and the job was to actually build recruiters from scratch. And you were one of those applicants. You applied, right? And I, I hired you, yeah. right? Yes. And you, what did you say to me as far as how good you were going to be? What did you say? I said, if you hire me, I will be the best recruiter you ever hire in your life. How many recruiters do you think I've hired in my life? Uh, hundreds, Thousands, right? yeah. I don't know about thousands, but hundreds. Okay. Hundreds, yeah. And how many do you think have said that to me? Uh, I would probably say a large percentage. A large percentage, yeah. But you did it. You absolutely did it, right? And then a few years later, I got disenfranchised with the, the leadership of that firm. And I said to you, I am leaving the firm. And what did you say to me? You're, you're not, not, uh, not without me. <laughs> yeah. And then I said, yeah, I'm pretty much leaving without you. And then what did you do then? <laughs> uh, I recruited you to come with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much you did. And the funny, there's a reason I actually bring that story up. Because David is actually 17 years my junior. And in a lot of ways, he's my boss. Right in the recruiting firm, at least at that time, and you know we're partners and peers. He's, but it was decided that he'd be the president and I'd be the chief operating officer because you know I'm going to step out on age. And reason that story is such parallel is because the the gentleman who's going to talk to we're going to speak to today actually has the same same story about that. He uh, he trained a young prodigy, Am or Amon, who actually can't make it today because he actually had uh, emergency root canal. So I'll let our guest talk about that. 
But yeah, it was. I was thinking about having the two of them on, right? And there's there's the same age disparity, and they became partners, right? Because because I remember I'd spoken to Um during a, a DeFi conference, and he's he's talking. He says, "Well, actually, Gregory, he's my partner. He's my partner. Well, actually, he was my boss." And I said, "Well, I've got a very similar story." <laughs> but one of the things that really impressed me about you is you started asking me questions that no one else. This is when we before we became partners when we worked together. You were talking about things such as, "Hey, do you have any goals?" I remember when you first asked me that, I went, that's none of your business. I thought it. But then I asked myself, David, James, do you really have any active goals right now? Because what a lot of people do is they, they put the picture of the nice car on the wall, they get it, and they leave that car up there, right? And goals are over. And I don't think I've ever told you this, but I really, I had goals, but I'd reached them mostly. And I had, I didn't have a clear definition. So I really was formulating some goals. And we've spoken about it since, and thanks to you and our partnership, those goals have been reached and exceeded, and now the new goals are beyond the life of my expectation that I ever thought I would get to. However, you got to dream big. Yeah, but also, you know, you are one of the. I mean, I didn't know this was gonna. I didn't think this was gonna be a show where I like pump you up, but I remember you were so dedicated to working out no matter what, and barring. I mean, I've never seen you stop working out barring a physical injury, and you also said that I guess it was you and your wife or you and your. Your, your, your best buddy from Texas, this, the principal, you were saying that we challenge each other to read a book a month, right? Remember that you started challenging me to reading and I, yeah. I just, yeah, I started and I, I didn't take it first, but you know, I, I've, I've been very voracious in my reading is you. Well, our guest, and he's going to get to talk about this, but what if I told you that he founded a leadership institute? Right. And the objectives were to reach financial autonomy, which is kind of like what we're all about with evangelizing blockchain. And, and really, when you stop and think about just helping people get jobs, I mean, there's nothing more precious or spiritual than helping people get daily bread. Yeah. Right. Yep. But basically, he wants the, their students to reach financial autonomy and each and every of their students in their third year of study will need to start a successful business. I mean, you know, that's what you're responsible for going in. And number two, to change the world. All right. Success in life cannot be reached by only making money. Right. And it's like this dude gets it. Right. Yeah. He understands that money needs to be the byproduct of the thing that's enhancing community or the world or whatever that without that being a cliched thing. And he says that our students in a three-year period will, A, learn a new language, English or French, a oh. new one. So for me, it would be French. Right. Right. And I, I think he's kind of biased because he, he speaks both Really well, but anyhow, that's is he kind Canadian. Of a, he's very Canadian. Okay, you'll you'll see what he's right. But listen, this this is what when I read this, I said I'm going to talk about this with with Dave Hampton. Read more than eight thousand pages from the best leadership and business books. Eight thousand pages. Okay. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's a big ask. Fifty books. It's are four hundred pages each. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Participate in seventy discussions and debates. Partate, you know what I mean? At, but participate in teleconferences with business leaders from Africa, all over the United States. But anyhow, the the way the, the way I, I got to this guy was I was speaking to his partner Am, and they have a unique offering uh, of aggregating via a social media platform, mm -hmm. and as it relates to new offerings, whether they're blockchain offerings, and I I don't want to I, I I thought it was really I mean really brilliant this this guy. And his partner, um, you're going to see they're going to be huge. This idea is, I mean, I, I was, if I was challenged to make it fail, I don't know how I could. So with no further ado, I'd really like to bring on our guest, Gregory Van Duis. Did I say it correct? 
Um, close. Think it's Gregory Van Dyes. So that's a no. That's a no. You did not say it correct. Just, very, I mean, very Canadian response yeah, but, there. Very nice. Yeah, but every time I've talked to him, he's, he, he's like the epitome of like polite, right? And of course, that was just a. So thank you for the grace. So anyhow, yeah. No problem. Uh, yeah so uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, a bit about crypto. Yeah. Thank you for the intro. That was really cool. Um, yeah. Just happy to be with you guys. Yeah, so um, where uh, on the globe are you? Are you in Quebec? No, I was born in Quebec. I was born in Montreal. And uh, now I live in uh, western Alberta. Uh, no, Alberta, Canada. So that's west, just north of uh, Montana. Yeah, so I hear that a lot. I hear a lot of people who are either from Montreal or Toronto or whatever. They say, well, I, I grew up here, but I went west for warmer. I mean, that's kind of what happens in America, too. People go to the, the west coast for, for warmer. Did you, but, but Montana's not all that warm, right? No, it's, uh, it wasn't really the, the weather. It was mostly family. My, my wife had... Uh, sisters that lived here and so we just got closer to family right interesting so okay let's so let's i i ask everybody this so tell me about your your formative years like k through 12 like growing up i mean i i'm just going to be stereotype did you play hockey uh yes but i was really bad uh i didn't get it well, uh, well being I good is not a requirement it's not no well i was really bad but the story is anyway i don't want to get into this <laughs> uh, you don't have to then you don't I, um, I was really bad at hockey. Um, mostly I was dyslexic when I was young, so I failed my first grade. Um, I had to start grade one again. Like, who does that? But well, hold on a second. Me. Have you cured your dyslexia or have you? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that was possible. I, I, I just, it's an ignorance to me. Okay. Yeah, it's just a different way that the brain works. Actually, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, end up we're dyslexic. It's just a very normal trait. We just think differently. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, really happy. Um, just grew up in a French-Canadian family. Um, went to the U.S. for my university. Mm -hmm. um, came back. I got married when I was 23. Okay. Um, I have seven children now. But um, yeah, first child at 25. And um, just uh, living life, trying to do projects. Mm -hmm. And uh and uh, just trying to do some good in the world at the same time. Yeah, which is, which is admirable, right? And, you know, being recruiters, we have, a, how do I say this? We have this psychic intuition about candidates, hiring authorities, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, it's funny because people have said, man, I really want to work for Google. You know, or when I was younger, when I was younger, basically everybody said I want to work for Disney, right? You know, and, I, I, and I'm not trying to slander, but, but basically the working conditions were so bad that it was, was called Mauschwitz. I mean, literally, that's what mm -hmm. they would call it. And literally, if they would say, if you don't come in on Saturday, if you don't come in on Sunday, don't bother coming in on Monday. I was literally, I, I had a friend of mine who worked there for 18 years. He says, David, my health, my mental health, I had to quit. And I had to, like, I had to get psychiatric help. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm sure that's a bit of an overstatement. But what I'm saying is, is that... And you would think working at Walmart's not the most exciting thing, but there are there are there are people who've worked at Walmart, and people don't realize that Walmart pays for childcare and all this stuff. So, and I actually learned this from from my my partner uh, Dave Hampton, and he said that, and I never really thought about. I knew it, I just never really thought about. It. He says people don't quit companies; they quit managers, right? Mm -hmm. And and the reason the reason I'm saying that to you is I I can see why someone like Om would have want, wanted to stay with you, but. I really want to talk about how you kind of got started, right? So you get done with university, 
right? And I guess, you know, your first job is, is you work in knowledge management in the, the Canadian health. Uh, then you became a mortgage uh, broker. And then pretty much you, you, like for the last 14 years, you've been an entrepreneur of sorts. Is that accurate? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I've always been <coughs> entrepreneurial. And, and whenever I, you know, failed at a business, I would get a job to pay off the debt that I <laughs> needed to start the business and then get back on my feet and start another business. So um, that's what happened in 1999. I read a marketing book for uh, how to market online. I tried it. Uh, actually, trying to sell golf, cl golf clubs uh, on the Internet. Now, 1999 is really early for the Internet. It didn't really work out that fast. So I got a job as a knowledge management worker uh, for Canada Health Infoway uh, for a couple of years, left that, uh, decided to go into mortgages. I built a website, uh, the website, and I did a lot of SEO. The, the website started getting three to 400 leads a month. So I would take the best ones. I would sell the other ones to other brokers and make commission on that. And then I thought, what else can I sell? And so I started selling um, mortgage insurance. Uh, I built a company uh, called um, uh, Info Primes in Quebec, um, and we started selling mortgage insurance. And I sold that. Uh, I kept going with the SEO. I built an SEO firm. Um, and then at that point, I was like, I need, I need to do something with my life. My wife, my my life. Sorry. So I. I a Freudian slip? Would... Is that a Freudian slip? <laughs> no, it's not. I'm happy to be married. <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't mean it like that. As in, as in my wife says, I, you got to do more things with me, right? No, yeah. no. Actually, no. I, she, she thinks I have too many projects going oh, on. Oh, okay. So that's the reverse. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I read a book. I, be, I read Tim Fer, uh, Ferriss' book, uh, The 4-Hour Four Four Workweek. Hour week. And, and the idea of retire young, retire often really kicked in for me. So I decided to retire on cash flow. I had a business that was making enough money on cash flow. And so just before I turned 40, I decided let's go on an adventure. And that's the first time that we went to Africa. So I took my five children at the time and, uh, and we went to Benin, West Africa. Um, and just to see how we could help. I, had, I didn't have any agendas. I didn't know what I was gonna do. I just thought I can do some good and while I was there, it was just so clear how many people were looking for work. They had university degrees, they had education, they had everything that they needed, but like everybody needed a job. And it's a country, there is no jobs. I think probably 5% of people have what we would call today a job. Um, and, and so I said, well, if, if you're gonna be trying to find work in a place where there's no work, you might as well start your own business. So I started a school uh, Vanda's Entrepreneurial Leadership Institute that he taught uh, young people at the university level to, to become entrepreneurs, to start businesses for themselves, to take the, the future into their own hands. Mm -hmm. And that was my first, you know, uh, year and a half away, uh, trying to do some good, just trying to help people out. And so since then, my, my goal has been to uh, retire every seven years. Hold so, on one second. Um, I, just, I just, I just, you're 40. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's not your start. I just, this is so fascinating. You're 40 and all of a sudden you're mowing the lawn one day and a drop of sweat comes down and you all of a sudden, that's the inspiration. You know what? I'm picking up sticks and I'm moving all seven of us to Benin, West Africa. I mean, I just, 
I really want to hear about the inspiration or the the the, the divinity <clears throat> that occurred that's that you knew that this was the thing to do. Was it like a vacation? I'm going to stay or what? No, it was actually a dream. Okay, so let's hear about it. That I had to go and live in another country that was poorer and to not only see how life was for them, <clears throat> but to actually make a difference. Um, so even, you know, when I got married, my wife and I were talking about going to India. Uh, we had never done anything like that. And so when I read uh, Tim Ferriss' book, uh, The Four-Hour Workweek, I, I went on my computer and I printed like 780 pages that says hard stop, uh, 780 days to go. And so I had like this stack of 700 pieces of paper. This, it was about this high. And then every day I would take a piece of paper off my desk and it would go down, you know, not only the pile went down, but the number went down. Uh -huh. So I had to find a way to go and retire in 780 days. And, you know, and so I was always telling people I'm this close to retirement. Oh my this God. Close, this close. <coughs> Hold on. Stop. That's the pile. Of paper. <coughs> stop. <laughs> and so I told it my, was on my mind. I told my partner, right. I think eight days before my uh, 57th birthday, I said, I will be your partner for eight days and five years on my 62nd birthday. I don't care. I don't care if I'm homeless. I'm retiring. I won't be homeless, but I'm just saying, I just, I have to like, live my life in such a way where I'm not chasing a dollar. And when you just said that thing about the pieces of paper, I'm doing it. As soon as I get back, <laughs> as soon as I get back to my desk right next week, I'm doing it. I'm going to, I'm going to count those out. I'm going to stack it all up and I'm, I'm going to number them. Okay. I might have yeah. somebody else number them for me, but you know what I mean? I'm doing it. <laughs> no, you, you take an Excel spreadsheet and you go from number one down and then you take a mail merge with your Word document, and then it prints them all for you, all in one shot. It's really fast. Hold on a second. You see, so. you see why he's the guest and I'm just the host? Because I was going to get a bunch of paper. I was going to count. Yeah, you're out actually a number amount. Yeah, one one at a time. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's called being old school or baby boomer, right? So. Wow. You got to hurt me with the truth. Oh, I'm just speaking the truth. I you know, mean, he, this he's, is. He's smarter. He's taller. He's uh, the only thing I beat him at is golf. Right. And I don't even know how much longer that's. Days are numbered on that, too. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> and you'll never beat me. <laughs> Anyhow, that, that, you that make a bet? To make. Okay. We digress. So th this is wonderful. Okay. So, so back to this. I'm going to retire in these 700 days. 780. I, I, I forget the number exactly. Okay. This is fascinating. Something like that. And so as, and it was November 11th, 2011. So that was the day, 11, 11, 11. That was, that's why I picked that day uh, because it was a cool day. Um, and so I retired on that day. I, my wife and I had been praying to know where should we go? Where should we go? Which country? I wanted to go to a country in Africa. I spoke French, but I didn't want to bring my kids to a place that was going to be dangerous. Right. That was gonna so Somalia you know, was out. Exactly. Right? Ivory Coast was out. Exactly. Right. Especially then. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so we went to Benin. And, and the reason why Benin, first of all, we felt prompted by God to go there, but also because nobody's ever heard of it. Like it's a safe place. Yeah. When you hear an African country that nobody's ever heard of, it's because nothing really big happens. <laughs> and <laughs> so we went there uh, and and I went with my wife for the first two weeks. And we just scouted the place, found an apartment, came back home, packed 28 bags, the kids, everybody in the plane, let's go to Africa. And we stayed there for about 15 months. And uh, like I say, we ended up building a 
uh, a university level school to teach entrepreneurship um, and uh, came back home and I founded a mobile game development company with uh, one of my business partners, Dustin McKay. Uh, we grew it from nothing to uh, selling it for seven figures to a Japanese firm. Uh, and hired, and that's where I learned to hire. We hired, we had like 30 staff at one point. So we, we learned how to hire really well, really fast. Uh, hey, easy, easy, easy. You're going to put me out of a job. Take it easy with that. <laughs> so go. It was a lot of work. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a lot of work to hire the right people. Well, just, I've always said this, and for, the, for those of you listening, the, the most difficult thing that a company ever has to do is termination or firing. It's the most difficult, regardless of the circumstances. The second worst, hiring. Because it, 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 most, it, most people are so inefficient at it, but yet they think they're good at it. So yeah. I, I did an entire TED talk about that, but I digress. But, you know, continue on. No, I, I think it's important because um, like my first attitude towards hiring is hire fast, fire faster. Right. So hire three people, fire two, and then you keep the best. But that's really not an efficient way. And so we started hiring people around the world, like our developers, our, um, our uh, artists, our game designers were around the world. And there's amazing people to hire in so many countries. And, and it doesn't cost as much. I mean, that's what I found. So we, we, we built our company completely decentralized, uh, not, oh not in the crypto sense, but in the <clears throat> physical sense. No, our company is um, also decentralized too. So we're familiar with that. We have people yeah. in Asia and we have people in India, which technically is also Asia. So, yeah. Okay. And so we did that. I sold the company and I went on my second retirement, uh, again to Benin, West Africa, and we went a bit more north, a bit further out. From uh, let's the just city stop for a second. So you, you, the institute, the Van Dyce Entrepreneurial Leadership Institute, you were there for 15 months, but it, it still continues to this day, correct? It does. It it's does. fantastic. Okay. And so we went there, and actually the next project I started creating in Africa is a, uh, a family-based orphanage orphanage so um basically it's a, an orphanage that where the children rather than living inside of a you know big building with four, 300 kids uh, they each live in a family uh and so that's another project that i'm working on as we speak so you didn't you didn't really do an orphanage you created a foster care ideology correct yeah so there's nurturing yeah. right exactly there's there's a there's caring from parents because uh, 90%, maybe even 99% of all orphanages in Africa are institutional orphanages, which we don't see in our countries because it's no longer allowed. Um, but over there, it's it's a bit like, you know, it's, it's like, again, big institutions. Got to be brutal. It's got to be brutal. And, and, and it's and, an orphanage because legally the government doesn't have a foster program. So we created the orphanage as a legal structure and inside of it created a foster program. So not knowing much about Benin, right? And I don't, if you were to tell me that like an orphanage in Somalia, well, I know why there's orphans in Somalia, right? Or Dufar is because there's civil war. What is the, mm -hmm. is there, a, is, is there just natural that there are parental deaths or parental absences in all societies? Or is there something that's a procuring cause that causes the, the orphans, is there, can you uh, elaborate on that? Yeah, poverty, uh, extreme poverty. So what happens is that a lot of families don't have a lot of means to, to live on. Uh, so they cut a lot of corners, whether it's food or health. 
um, and and they just oh. can't pay for everything that they need to pay. Like if you look at a family that makes hundred dollars a month, uh, they they can't survive, and so they're cutting corners and people die, whether children die or parents die, but and they don't die of starvation all the time, but they die of sickness. But the sickness is caused by other realities, and that's because of extreme poverty. So there is a lot more death. Um, actually, one of the stories that surprised me so much in Africa is that um, the biggest day of the year is New Year. And like Christmas is a little thing. New Year is like everybody spends a ton of money to celebrate New Year's. And I was like, why are you spending all this money celebrating New Year's? He says, because I survived the last year. Wow. My eyes have seen the new year. I need to celebrate that. Now, how many of us celebrate that we survived last year? I've never done that. No, if, if you if you that's think if the you reality think, that they're in. If you think about culture, right? And you know, I'm 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 assuming you don't drink alcohol. I don't drink alcohol, right? I'm just mm -hmm. uh, but the majority of the Western culture, I'm talking here in North America, on New Year's, they get plastered. Right, they mm -hmm. they get obliterated. They get a they 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 put themselves out of consciousness. And it's the exact opposite. Yeah, exactly. So they're just celebrating. So it, it, I think it's the poverty to answer your question. I think it's uh, actually in Africa. I've never heard people you call it poverty. They call it suffering. Um, Interesting. They, they never mm -hmm. say I'm poor. They say just I'm suffering. I suffer. So wow. that's what I've been. I came back. Um, I've been, you know, looking for different business projects and then Amen, uh, Am, yeah, came to me and said, this thing is blowing up, uh, come and join us. And, and basically we've been able to create, uh, a fund, a venture capital fund that invests in early startups for, for crypto, but also to do marketing for crypto projects. And that's, that's how they all work together. The projects are really interesting in us. Uh, being able to do some amazing marketing for them, uh, reaching millions of people uh, through influencer marketing. And at the same time, we have opportunities to invest in these early projects before the initial uh, coin offering or before the IDO. Uh, we get to invest in these projects um, and help them succeed. So before you, we get into that, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you this question. And I know you coming from gaming, but how did crypto or blockchain or Bitcoin, how did it find you? You know, when I sold my business, we invested uh, some money in buying some uh, some um, Bitcoin miners. Actually, we were mining. Okay. That's the first, that's the first time I heard about it. Uh, and so we did that um, and uh, got interested a little bit. Um, and um, it's just developed from there, but also just the work that I do right now and talking to different projects, looking at their technology, writing, reading the white papers, uh, trying to understand what they do and, and doing, doing the marketing for them has been really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, it was probably 2017, 18 when we started doing the, the mining first. Okay, so yeah, so you, uh, so, so talk about your, your, your current project and where you are right now. Well, we, we started um, being able to invest in these projects and seeing how much, um, how much you know, exposure that we could show to some of these projects through um, TikTok influencing. Uh, and so we've, we've come, we have a, a group of 50 influencers that work with us. Um, they represent about 
10 million of followers. And when we find a really interesting projects, we're able to talk about it and to share with the world what's happening, what's new, why this technology is actually changing the world and, and making a difference. And it's, it's really, really exciting. There's some really cool stuff happening in the space. So um, when you say that you have 50 influencers, of those influencers, if you, if you were to aggregate all the likes or followers that the 50 influencers have, if you were to say, hey, this is command, everybody go out and attack, <laughs> how many actual uh, pair of eyes can they all reach combined? You know, they, it's a really good question. Uh, we've never done a campaign with every single right. 50 influencer at the same time. Because they're so different. I don't have because based on the project, we get to choose which influencers do well. And also the influencers are not controlled by us in any way. They, they get to choose if this is a project mm -hmm. that they like, if, if they believe in it, if this is something that they want to talk about. Uh, so there's a bit of, uh, you know, you know, us selling the projects to the influencers and the influencers wanting to participate. But together they have, um, they have uh, 10 million followers um, our project, the project that we had the most views, uh, was the Mina protocol and we got 5.6 million views uh, on that campaign. Um, over what period of time? So, um, about, a, a two, three weeks. It's pretty good. It keeps growing. It's it, probably not the full 5 million for two, three weeks but yeah. because it keeps growing after that, you know? Right. So if I look on the tag today for that project, that's what it would show about. Um, and we do kind of two things. We, we sometimes uh, work with project to, to talk about one event, whether it's the launch of their token. Um, we do that often, but also some projects really work with us on a long-term basis. So as they develop their roadmap, as they keep developing and programming and building the technology that they've promised um, while they were doing the, the IDO, they they want to keep being known. They want to keep being relevant right. in the space. That's There's the so many projects out there. There's so many things happening that it's hard to keep people's attention. And so if you're not known, you might be great. It does. It just means you're still not known. So right, not um, known is not known. Right. Exactly. And yeah. Greatness sometimes brings the knowledge like people get to know you when you're great but there's a lot of great stuff happening and people don't know it just because they're not known so kind of like bitcoin 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 is a great thing and it's not no no uh i i make this analogy right you want to you know take if i was to say to you what's the most dominant uh search engine in the world you'd say i'd say google right and it's dominant and it's well known and if i'd say yeah. what's the most dominant shopping cart online for goods you'd say Shopify or okay. Amazon. Amazon, Amazon, right. And it's well known. And I'd say, what's the best digital financial network in the world? Right. You and I would say Bitcoin, but 98.5% of them would say Visa. Right. Yeah. So but you'd be surprised. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Like the, it's kind of taking some momentum because you don't have to um, tell me. <laughs> it's taking some momentum. Listen to this. Okay. I was about, Four months ago, I'm talking to my mom. Now, I'm 48 years old. My mom is in her 70s. And my mom, I didn't tell her anything about crypto. My mom's saying, hey, I started investing in crypto. I have this coin, this coin, and this coin. And out of nowhere, she comes out with that. I'm like, wow, if my mom is yeah. starting to, to know about it, that is like, it's making some traction. It's, well, 
I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I just my enthusiasm. I'll tell you how I knew it was taking traction. It was about seven months ago. I was with this cat right here, and we were walking. I think uh, in through a grocery store, and I walked by the. Uh, I don't want to say Coinbase. It's the word, but it's Coin something. Coin Star. Coinstar, and for those of you who are not familiar with Coinstar, not everybody is, it's a, a device in, in, by the exits in the grocery stores where people will bring their change, back when they used to actually have change, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, now there's a coin shortage, right? Yeah. So uh, anyhow, <laughs> uh, I realized, and I've seen these machines for years, because I, I, I placed an auditor who actually worked there, at, and all of a sudden now they're saying, and mostly, like, it's, it's the, the people that are very poor collect their change and they use it, right? Because it, that, that's what the market is. Now, at that exact same machine, I noticed you can also get your payment in Bitcoin. In Bitcoin, we were talking about it. I said, there it is. I said, you and I will know that Bitcoin is, like, really taking adoption when, when people, are, like, the marginalized and the disenfranchised actually are start, start asking for it, which, which really I makes it so fair. And I really wanted to, you know, it, and I really appreciate the fact, you know, about your spiritual tenets and that you, like, wear them on your chest and you talk about it and you talk about prayer because that's something that really speaks to me, right? I really, I really adore men and women, okay, but I'll say men of faith who will just, I say it all the time. I say, I, I talk about God and I talk about prayer. And I make no apologies for it, right? I mean, that's like, I, I, I believe, right? And I want my life to be a demonstration of that, not, not, what I'm, not what I'm saying to you on Sunday outside of the Denny's, right? If that makes any sense. So, but with that being said, talk to me about the hope and the fairness as you see with, with the new blockchain. or You know, I, I don't want to just leave and limit it to, to Bitcoin, right? So Yeah. Yeah, I you know like I think um, B- Bitcoin was the first uh, to come out. Uh, it showed the world that it could do something that nothing nobody had ever believed, which was to replace uh, government-made money. Um, but I think a lot of projects that are happening right now are much more than just um, money, financial right. money or a store of value. Um, there's so much technology that's being built on top of these chains. Uh, that I think is going to change your world, and everybody's going to be using it, whether they know it or not. Right. Um, that that's the reality. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're going to be doing transaction in bitcoins, but they're going to be doing it. And and when you think of Africa, if we bring back Africa, um, you know, mobile money, uh, which is pretty much using your your cell phone company as a bank, um, is changing the lives of people over there. Um, most people that I know in Africa don't have bank accounts. Uh, it's too expensive. Like the five dollars a month of fees is like it's a no. It's, it's prohibitive. A yeah, yeah. There, there, there's a coin called the World Mobile Token, which I was all about. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. I was all yeah, about I yeah World Mobile Token, and what they were talking about is is that 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 you can actually it, you know it's like any other coin offering, but specifically for Africa, right? So that yeah. the world so they can actually pay. With and this is not something you know. A lot of times, people like in the Caribbean countries, like 15 years ago, they they could they could exchange cell phone minutes. It's the same type of medium of exchange, right? World yeah. Mobile. And, and I, but you know, I, I wanted to get in on it. I really was so motivated. I need to find a way to invest in it. But of course, not allowed in the United States. So okay. I, and when something is not allowed in the United States, I just say, all right, God, it's just not for me. 
You know, uh, <laughs> that's just, I, I, I look at the clear signs. Like, uh, I'm going to go deep here. I, I don't know when I'm in God's will, but I always know when I'm not. That doesn't mean I always listen. But at 57, I listen a lot. That my, my, my sensitivity meter goes, you know something? I, I had a lot of pain trying, you know, face first in the wall, not just a slight nudge to the right. Anyway, I digress. So, um, yeah, and also let's talk about uh, what Cardano's doing in Ethiopia. I thought it was wonderful. You, did you hear about this? You know, I, I've looked into Cardano a little bit. Um, I, I, I know that they're very centered at reaching the poor of the poor and, and, and really making a difference there. I don't really remember what happened in Ethiopia. Yeah, so what they did, the entire country of Ethiopia is going to use Cardano as a smart contract for all of the entire country's school records. And you've got this problem, Ethiopia being a very nomadic. It's like, we got to pick up and go 800 miles. Like, yeah, this is my son. He's a junior. Oh, you know, he's a 3.9. No, no, he's 3.9. I just don't have the records. It's like, okay, we're going to write him down as 3.9. Right. And so, I mean, that's, that's a case that represents equity. And, you know, another guest was talking to us a couple of weeks ago and they're talking about like the generation Z and the millennials, when they come to leadership, because they have a they have a, a consciousness of transparency and authenticity. Like they'll put it on their phone, letting everybody know where they are, right? It's uh, and and, and that's that's part of uh, getting rid of the opacity that governments just by default have have done since World War II. I want to ask you also, and this is really important: you being an entrepreneur and you doing all this hiring. And, and this caters specifically to us. And uh, believe it or not, David, we've learned so much yeah. from our guests. I mean, yeah. it's really it's made us better recruiters. Indeed. Right? And on how to ask uh, uh, hiring authorities and candidates questions. And, you know, Gregory, this this podcast is outstanding in that area because there's a few things I've thought of. But in your experience, how do you see the new blockchain technology changing the world as far as, as, as hiring, like in the job market? No, I haven't given a lot of thoughts on that. It's, it's, uh, I, you know, th there's a lot of parts of the technology that allows confidential information to be passed through without giving up the confidentiality. So, uh, and I'm just gonna go off, you know, shoot off the hip here, but you know, when you're hiring someone, you really need to trust them. You need, to, you need to. You wish you had a way to have a perfect track record and to know that the person that you're hiring is really that good. Uh, it's it's first and and so we do like you know a, a good recruiter will go ahead and check the references and check that, but you know that lots of references lie about a person's uh, what they've done and what their capabilities are. And, and recruitment is about not making mistakes. It's expensive to hire the wrong person and to have them. Uh, not work out, you know, the training and everything. So I hope that there's a way that companies will be able to really speak openly about the person's track record. Uh, and, and that will be able to follow them in some way without breaching any confidentiality. I wonder if something like that ever will be happening. Um, because I think that that would be pretty cool for um, both recruiting firms, but also for the employers to know, like, like this person's reputation is going to follow them. And, and if they, they start, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff on the job, uh, it, and maybe some people won't like that. 
because they're like, well, I don't want my past to follow me everywhere. Um, but there's so many risks when you're hiring. So I wonder if that's going to happen. But I've seen projects, maybe not at the recruiting, but that allow um, through smart contracts that allow uh, for the information to be validated without, you know, giving up their proprietary information. So okay, maybe yeah. something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm it's funny that you say guessing. that. So David and I have talked about this and there's no way that LinkedIn in its current form will ever go on blockchain. And I'm, before I have David talk, I'm going to ask you, Gregory, because you're not as learned of LinkedIn the, from a recruiter perspective as we are. Why do you think that is? Why do you think LinkedIn will never go to a blockchain? I don't know. Okay. Uh, David, tell him. Uh, because it's a, it would be a deterrent for users. Right, because the, there have been so many people who reinvent themselves. They take a job, right? They worked there for seven months. Right, and then all of a sudden, some time goes by. They, they can't job. afford for the uh, LinkedIn profile to be immutable. Right? Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to yeah. be fungible. Yeah, they gotta. You know, mm -hmm. the, the narrative has to be told in such a way where uh, you know it can be believable each time. Yeah, somebody's got four jobs in fifteen months. It's like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I hired a guy as a recruiter, and just to protect his anonymity, Ben. Right? <laughs> yeah, you remember who he is. Yeah, so Ben actually literally, he, he worked for us for five months. Then he worked for another firm for, uh, I think, 18 months. And then all of a sudden, then he went out on his own. And then he just decided he worked for us for four years. Right? And it's just like, okay, how, can, how convenient it is. You know, your brand is really, really looking good. So, I mean, and that's part of it. That's part of it because that, that's, that's something that should be tracked. And, you know, our society is more and more into that. Like you go on Amazon and you look for reviews. You know, you're trying to see what other people have to say about what this product does or doesn't do. Um, you go to an insurance, like you try to get health insurance and they will, you know, query a database of uh, anything that they can find out about other insurance company and what they've said about you and your health. Um, like, like it exists, like the credit score system, you know, people needed to trust. Can I trust Gregory yeah, to pay right. his bills? And so I have, you know, this credit score that follows me. Um, and so those kind of environments exist and, um, and we use it all the time. Now, recruiting is, you know, if you use a great recruiter and they do their work correctly, you're, you have a really good chance of succeeding and finding a great candidate. Um, but even then, uh, you do have some, like, sometimes it's impossible to know. Whoa, 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 whoa. You said great recruiter, and that's my cue. That's, I wasn't talking about you guys. Know, right? you, you better be talking about us, because we are great. No, hold on a second. So, anyway, we're just going to take a second. We're going to get a word from our sponsor. And who is our sponsor, Dave? That would be uh, Blockchain Recruiter. That's us. That's us. Yeah, that's right. So, anyhow, yeah. So, this week, uh, I'm looking for a software engineer. Okay, oh, yeah. in New York, New York, in the city. They're going to pay well. Could, will they go remote as well? No. That's, no. That's surprising. Yeah, this is, no, this is the, it's, it's too sensitive. The, it's, it's, uh, no. And I'm looking for a trader. I'm literally looking for a crypt, crypto trader in Chicago. Also, not remote. That's all. Okay. And, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, I got no candidates because I placed them all. I no, yeah. All. They, yeah. They, I, they, they're the place. I may have some to. for you. All right. Uh, I got a I got a couple of uh, rules for algorithmic traders, you know. Mm. So looking at, at doing algorithms, I think that's going to be a hot commodity coming. I've never forward. even heard, I, I've had nobody say, "Hey, can you find me one of those?" How did you find that? 
Uh, you're just being you, right? Yeah, I mean, just being curious. Yeah. So, just for those of you who don't know, uh, <clears throat> Dave Dave Hampton here would find like gold leaf under bark of an old tree. That's what he does. <laughs> so. Okay, uh, I got a, a senior investigator for crypto risk. So, all right, yeah. you've had that one a while, no? Or is that the same? Yeah, it's not a very sexy job. So, yeah, who'd want that? I mean, it's for yeah. a sexy company, you got to you got to be the crypto cop inside. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I think yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be a big part of it. I mean, but I'm biased. Every, everyone against Bitcoin is like, oh, it's fraudulent, you know. Yeah, crimes, but I'm biased. You know. I placed auditors for the longest time, and and, and the auditors are hated in corporate companies. They yeah, just they're, they're the bad guys. Well, they, they it's not, not you, that they are, but they it's call like you out. it's a, when when the auditors are coming, there's no good news there. Yeah. Right? yeah well, so anyhow, anyhow, so that's that's that. So uh, Greg, uh, the last thing is is we didn't talk in any detail. So <clears throat> when you, me, and Om talked on that other matter. I was enamored. I was in awe about what I consider your secret sauce me- method. And I don't want to give up anything proprietary on this talk. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Or do you want to just keep that only for, uh, keep that inside the red, red rope? <laughs> no, we, we, I'm not going to speak too much about it. But, you know, we really have a way of making sure that campaigns, influencer campaigns, get great results. It looks organic. It, it scales on its own. And actually educates the public and actually most of the time if you get a network effect if you get enough people talking about your project on on um, social media on tiktok and others it actually starts spreading on its own other people other influencers start making content talking about who you are so i think it's it's all a question of how you build your campaigns how you deploy it so that you do get that network effect so that people uh, start believing in your project they're, they're not just hearing about it, but they want to learn more and they want to go deeper. Yeah, I'm going to leave it to that. Yeah, no, that, that's I really, can share more. No, no, I, I wanted to make sure. So basically, uh, if you would you like to plug yourself or your company? Because Travis... Well, we're always... Yeah, we're, we're kind of selective. Uh, we don't um, accept all the projects that... Yeah, you, you have to have a round of funding, right, before they can talk to you. Let's talk about that. Well, we, we do like to see projects that are serious, that have had other VCs invest in them that have a solid team or a track record. Um, There's so many projects going out there that we can't promote all of them. And if we wouldn't be willing to promote it with our own reputation, we don't want to promote, propose it to our influencers either. Understood. Um, Influencer marketing is a bit of reputation that you're, you're you're actually talking about a project. So we really look for tier one type projects. So if that's you and you're looking to be better known, then reach out to us on our website. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And I would be remiss. I'm just going to tell you, this Om kid, he, he was so engaging and so sweet and so kind, and he burned so brightly in the light. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't – he was he's supposed to be here, and I, I hope yeah. – how the surgery? Is he done? Is he, is he feeling okay? He's going to be fine. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody survives uh, a root canal. Just going into it, you wish you wouldn't, right? But anyhow, uh, talk a little bit about how you guys came together, how you hired him, and now your partner. I mean, do you mind? Because uh, that's really and important to me. We, we worked at – I wasn't really his boss. We worked on a project together where I was more of the CEO and more of the funder, and, and he was working out on the project. And it went – really well. He's such an intelligent, uh, well-rounded person. He's so smart. My Hampton. Kind of like my Hampton. (laughs) Probably. And then when he came um, and told me what he was doing for me, it was a no-brainer for me to join his team. 
and to work on this because it, it like crypto is the future of of the world and uh, and I'm happy to be in it. It's my next project until I retire again in 2026 when I go for another year trip with my family. Um, this is what we're going to be building. Fantastic, Gregory Van Doyce. Thank you so much for just affording your time. I know how busy you are and seven kids and a wife and that adds extra busy, right? I mean, yes. you gotta like do like one, two, like this with a finger at dinner, just to make sure everybody's there, right? But you, it, you guys uh, have a bus to drive no, around? We just have a minivan. They, the, the, the reality is uh, our, my youngest is 23, she's getting married this year, and then my youngest is three years old. So um, the 23, 21, and 20 years old are already gone okay. to the house. Okay, all right, got it. Five at home. Oh, yeah. So, so three, you three off the four. payroll, right? When, you, when you're seven, you look, you still look 40. All right, and, and okay, I, thank you. You know, I just I, I wanted to uh, say something to you. And I, I was thinking it, but now I'm going to say it out loud. In 2026, when you say you got to go on your next trip with your family, you might go with instead of going with two generations like you did. Right in 2012, you might go with three generations, right? Yeah. Because the kids yeah, might bring the so. kids, right? Have you, have you, you might bring that. You might be bringing 30. I mean, 30 is too much, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, they're going to come and visit for sure. Yeah, Greg Randice Influx. Thank you so much. And to my, this was a good podcast. It was. Yeah, this is yep. really good. Yep. My co-host Dave Hampton. Thank you, Rubber Recruiter. Thank you so much for all you do and the effort. Likewise. Yeah. You're the one who gave me the chance. I made good of my word. Well, you've paid like 4% of it back so far. So <laughs> I, I okay. appreciate it. Well, you got five more years to collect. So, <laughs> like, you know, we got a great relationship. It's really fair because he, he pushes the sled up the hill and I push it down, right? 50 50. He more rides it down. <laughs> so, anyhow, I can't tell if I'm just a little bit more ingenious with gravity than you. But, anyhow, I'm David James. <laughs> I'm uh, the job whisperer. And remember, everybody, can't whisper. <laughs>